Thank you for joining me on the Stronger Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremiah, and every episode I do my very best to encourage you around the themes of resilience, stronger mental health, and living a meaningful life. Some episodes build from previous conversations, and today is one of those. So if you haven't heard the last podcast on pornography and mental health, pause this, go back, listen to that one. Okay, so if you're still with me, you're probably as excited as I am for today's episode. We are going to talk about porn and relationships. I'm honored to have sexologist, counselor, and author Renee Yam chat with me today about the impact of porn on our intimate relationships. She has years of experience and in her private practice helps people from all walks of life overcome challenges they may be facing. Even if you're not in a committed relationship and perhaps you're nowhere near one, this is still going to be really helpful for you. Okay. In the last interview with Renee, she clearly stated that our biggest sexual organ is our brain. Seems obvious, but that was a bit of a aha moment for me. We all really only have a finite amount of mental real estate. It seems like in the age of technology that we live in, there are so many competing sirens going off all the time, all vying for our attention. In fact, right now, you're probably listening to me and doing something else at the same time. And you might also be checking your emails, looking on Facebook, and thinking about dinner, all at the same time. It's exhausting. I'll give this little example. Just recently, I was able to have this fantastic, amazing holiday in the middle of winter in Western Australia. Tents, barbecues, emus, sunsets, it was amazing. But during this incredible, well-planned trip, I found myself thinking of what else I should be doing, constantly. I'm in the middle of perhaps the best sunset I've ever seen, and my overthinking, cluttered brain is thinking, Maybe I should take a photo. Maybe I should take a photo with me in it. Maybe I should take a photo with me in it in Bali. What is going on? Why can't I just enjoy, breathe? This is an amazing sunset. Now, imagine we take this well-worn path of more, more, more to our sexual lives. Porn becomes the gasoline that just scratches away any possibility for being in the moment. You dreamt of getting married to the dream person you've always wanted to be with. And here you are, you're thinking of what else you should be doing, what else they should be doing, other people, other images. You drown out the joy from what should be a deeply meaningful experience. It becomes another unfulfilling, stressful interaction. As I stated last week, I'm unapologetically biased. I don't believe that porn will help your relationship. You can construct it any which way you want, but from the simplicity of mental real estate, maybe I'm different from you. I just don't have the capacity for breathing through the clutter. Or maybe we're the same, a clear mind without being attached to screens and images and voices lets me appreciate the gift that I'm living totally in the moment. So please subscribe, rate, share this episode on your socials. You're going to encourage someone with it. It helps me get the word out and for this channel to rank. And I love hearing from you. So send me a message. So excited about this. Let's jump into this conversation with Renee Yan from sextheholestory.com.au. 
porn and relationships. Renee, thank you so much for being on the Stronger Podcast. I am really grateful to have this conversation with you. I know last week was absolutely incredible and we had so much um, positive feedback and questions and thoughts and I know this week is going to be just as great. We're going to tackle the topic of porn and relationships this week and um, this is something that I know you work with a lot of couples and you work with a lot of people who are in relationships as a sexologist and a professional counsellor. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me back. It's going to be great to talk about this topic. Yeah, absolutely. So I know this is a huge topic that we're tackling. We're going to try to get through as much as we possibly can in a as condensed amount of time um, because we could probably talk for about five hours but broadly speaking I mean does porn help a sex life in a relationship yeah well I think um, our culture has told us that it's okay to look at porn Um, it can help you um, with ideas it can give you um, ideas and what you can do together but I I just think my thoughts on on porn in in a relationship is that I just think it's destructive to healthy sexual intimacy um you know I believe that sex and relationships go together mm. and that when you are focused on each other um and you are vulnerable and you're intimate and you are open with the like sex is very vulnerable like you're fully exposed not just physically but your whole self and there's a really something beautiful that happens in a couple when you um, engage in that there's also healing there's so much healing that can come um, with a healthy sexual intimacy now when you bring porn into it you're almost bringing other people into your sexual relationship something that was so intimate that you want um you don't do with anyone else but your partner that you now bring other people in and even though they're not actual people in the bedroom they're they're people in your sexual intimacy um and I also think it makes you um fix your eyes on on what you're looking at and off your partner and off being present with them And I think it's important for couples to really think about, well, why are we looking at porn together? What is the purpose of it? Is it because we don't know how to arouse each other? Mm. Is it because we don't know what each other likes? So we're just going to get some ideas and then try them out. Um, Because I think, um, or is it, you know, I think, you know, it's important that we're not lazy and we're not just, um, and we're not just using porn to arouse us so then we can, you know, have an orgasm. Yeah. I think it's important that we actually take the time to learn about each other's bodies. And every person is different and you might be a sex expert because you've had heaps of experience in the past, but the person that you are with right now is different. And it's a journey of learning about what they like and who they are in this space. And that takes work and it takes time and it requires patience, which is something you don't need when you look at porn. Well, (laughs) I think that's the thing with, um, with porn is it's sort of like a microwave option to sex. It's good to go straight away. You assume that that's what's presented. 
um, the other person should be up for whatever, you should be up for whatever. Um, And it's like this fantasy world where a real relationship doesn't operate like that at all. And um, I like one of the words that you chose to use, which was vulnerability. And I think, uh, yes, you know, engaged with somebody in sex and in intimacy, you're naked. And so unfortunately, I think we live in a culture where it's presented that being physically naked means you're intimate. And I think, I don't know if I can assume that this is for the majority, but being physically naked may be easier than being emotionally naked and vulnerable. Yeah, totally. I I, I 100% agree. I think intimacy is like an onion. You know, there's lots of layers that get peeled back. And um, even though we are physically naked, there's so much to our person that we're with um, that we don't fully know. Yeah. Um, And if we stay curious, which is what porn stops us from doing, being curious Mm. if we stay curious and if we want to learn more about the other person those layers will come back and as we become as we are that safe person for them they will be able to share emotionally or mentally how they feel even in the moment of sexual intimacy I mean it's interesting I talk to couples so much and they may have been married for years but they're still not comfortable talking to each other about sex so even talking about what they like that sounds quite obvious Mm. but that's a really vulnerable place yeah it is can you touch me here or can we can you do can we try this or what are your thoughts about that that's really vulnerable and we need to like understand that and acknowledge that and when so when they are speaking out that we meet them there with that place of vulnerability as well yeah yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I totally so- agree. I mean, I'd, I'd love for you to speak into the, the the female side of this, but from the guy's side of it, I mean, I can say that I know I did not want to be vulnerable. I don't want to be transparent. I, I think I like the idea of it, but in reality, I don't think I really want to go there. And so even early on, you know, when we got married, um, I think I was keeping up a lot of pretenses and, you know, there's, uh, there's a facade there that I want my partner, I want my wife to view me and, you know, view me in a certain way, um, you know, in public and also privately. You know, obviously it's really hard to hide who you are to the person that you're living with and sharing a bed with, but you try really hard as a guy. And so there was a point that happened for in, in, in my marriage six months in where I just kind of had enough of being like trying to hold up this this mask of who I was. And so we had a moment, we had a really powerful evening where we were able to just, I was able to just say, this is who I am. And this is, you know, this is where I've been. This is where my mind is sometimes. Um, but this is where I want to go. And I think it was probably one of the most freeing things that ever happened in our relationship. And I'm so grateful for it. But guys are so great at just, (laughs) I don't know, we talk at a surface level, I suppose, and we keep the deep part of that onion to ourselves. And it's really difficult for us to be transparent. Is it difficult for 
for a woman? For a woman. I, I think women are the same. Yeah, okay. I think we're all in the same boat. Yeah. Like that's why vulnerability is so hard to do. But like you just said, it's so freeing when you can be vulnerable with someone that you know is going to show up and be there for you. Yeah. Um, I think for women, a lot of women are vulnerable about their pleasure because mm. I guess, you know, growing uh, our social context is that there's an expectation. We know that guys like sex, want sex, um, and it's normalised. But for women, we don't get taught that it's okay to have pleasure and to experience pleasure and um, that's a good thing. So I think the journey for a woman of actually letting herself go in that space, um, for some people it's super easy, but for a lot of people that I speak to, it's a challenge because... you're at, it's actually vulnerable letting someone else see your pleasure. Yeah, sure. And, wow. and that's why I see it as a gift. Yeah. It's, some, it's a gift that we give each other when we let someone else see that. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a vulnerable place, but I think it's beautiful and I think it's healing yeah. and I think that's the way that it was designed for and that's why I guess um, sex in porn cheapens sometimes or rips people off from what they could actually have yeah if it wasn't you know if it wasn't part of their life sure which kind of leads me to um, my next question which was uh have you found that sex after marriage can be a disappointment for a lot of people well um it depends on whether you're saying like straight after marriage or you're talking <laughs> about like 10 years in yeah sure. um but i think I mean, it's a real question and a real thing. And I think it's because we have formed assumptions and expectations around sex that often we don't talk about. For example, we think I should always want sex. Mm. I should always be interested in sex. And so, um, you know, married life is real life. Um, even if you're not married, it's real life, but it's like when, when you, you know, when you're dating, you're like high on all these, um, you know, these chemicals are flooding into your brain. You're like, all I want to do is be with you. And then (laughs) you get married and you transition into this bonded relationship. Yeah. And so you're not as high on all this desire, but desire is still there. But I think the key thing that we get stuck in is we beat ourselves up when we don't have a desire for sex. And I think there's um, we've got some great researchers that have talked about responsive desire. It's not just about spontaneous desire. Like I wake up and I look at my my partner, he's got nothing on, and I'm like, yeah, that's what I want. You yeah, know, sure. that's spontaneous desire. But responsive desire is when we are. Um, emotionally relationally connected we are and we are possibly you know touching each other or just cuddling and the desire kicks in for sex after we've become aroused or after we've been touching and um you know arousal happens then desire for sex kicks in and goes oh I actually really want this let's keep going yeah and sometimes we get so stuck in I don't have I don't want to have sex so I don't want to have sex with you um and so our partner goes okay I don't know what to do with that and so some people go well then I'll just go to porn yeah sure because if you don't want to have sex with me what can I do I can't make you have sex with me so I'll just go to porn but I think there's a whole part of that education around understanding how you function sexually and what you need 
to turn you on, to get you there. And that requires a conversation, an ongoing conversation it, as a couple yeah. that we don't have. We have all these assumptions in our head yeah. and we go, okay, I've just made the decision and that's what I'm going to do and just leaves both people. Oh, and it is. It's, it's expectations and you build up these expectations in your mind and perhaps they're even founded in experience. So I know when we were dating, we chose to be abstinent. Um, till marriage and so leading up you know we'd get into these I'll, I'll be straightforward but we'll get into these full-on patching sessions right and uh, <laughs> and we were laughing That's about it just thing. the other day and it's like we were sitting around looking into each other's eyes kissing and just like you know combing I was combing her hair back and she's doing the same and we're just doing this for hours and hours and hours and hours and then we got married and it's like what happened to the hours of just staring into each other's eyes it's like you really think that it's going to be just like that you know we were holding hands everywhere we could have been going through bunnings which Pris hates and we'll hold hands and (laughs) and now that's just you know, it's it's not that we don't hold hands, but you know what I mean? Like it just changes. Yeah. And, um, yeah, totally. Yeah. And that's why I think, um, you know, sex takes work. Yeah. Um, it's like it takes work and um, it, it takes being intentional and keeping it a priority in your marriage and knowing that it's not just going to happen like it did. But, it, you know, you could have those amazing moments where it's impulsive and it's, amazing but you're not always going to have swinging from the chandelier throw myself me up against the wall kind of style like it's it's a a combination of of the types of sex you can have and I think just normalizing that yeah that's normal (laughs) yeah true true absolutely and so um in contrast what I have noticed is that in different forms of media uh film or TV series, married couples are always portrayed with a lackluster relationship. They're uh, constantly, you know, it looks like the guy's disinterested and has got some other interest or he's looking at women on social media or something like that. Um, And the the woman is, you know, she's busy or one partner is this way, one partner is the other way and there's a lack of interest in sex. And so we're sold a lie that, this is what it's going to be like. And then at the same time, we're confronted with our own reality where what we thought it was going to be like isn't. And so we start to then go down a path where our relationship almost imitates these lies that we've been fed. So when it comes to relationships, how do we have these hard conversations? Well, um, wherever you're at in your journey, whether you're just getting married um, or whether you are. 10 years in or whatever, I would just encourage couples to just start talking and start talking about how, um, you know, how they're feeling. Or but what this is really hopes. hard, Renee. I mean, oh, I this is really difficult because so let's even provide some context and I'm going to use myself as the guinea pig again. So my parents were missionaries. I've grown up attending church for most of my life. And so the picture that I'd love to be able to portray to the world is that I'm a great guy and I'm a, uh, I'm a Christian and so I don't have any 
proclivities towards things which are debaucherous or terrible or ugly and and that's not me and so it's one thing to portray that to the world but I really want the person closest to me to also think that I don't have a single terrible thought in my head and so for me to cross over from this is me that is so hard that is so hard yeah and I'm not sure yeah it's uh, everyone's up for that but I'm hearing you that that is a really powerful thing to do Mm, yeah well I think um what when it comes to in terms of talking about your pornography use to your partner I think um that is a real scary place because you are worried about what are they going to think are they going to be disappointed in me are they going to leave um there's so many worries that go down that path and I think the you know that is a normal place and but I think that can stop people from being open. Mm. And when you aren't open, um, you can think, well, I'm just, my marriage is just going to fix this. Um, But marriage and having sex isn't necessarily going to fix that. It's something um, that might even come up later and they're going to find out. Do you, you know, I mean, there's no easy way around it, but you don't want them to find out and it destroy trust, you know, and I think taking, being brave and being courageous and taking responsibility and sharing that, hoping, and I would say if there's any people here that your partner may have may disclose to you or, you know, don't be surprised, don't be shocked in that sense of um, porn is everywhere and I think unfortunately we sometimes need to just accept that it has been or can be a part of people's lives um, and it's not a reflection on you you That's aren't such a necessarily the problem yeah. you aren't the person that needs to fix their problem you giving them more sex or whatever type of sex they want isn't necessarily going to fix their problem they need to own it and they need to take responsibility for it and you can be a person that can be uh, unsafe, non-judgmental person that can support them and guide guide them. But I would encourage the partner they they shouldn't be the only person in their life that knows about it. Mm. They can't be the police yeah, that sure. polices them because that doesn't help either. But you can be that person that will encourage them and and not judge them and, and try your best to not take it personally. Yeah. Because often it's not really I mean, that's got to be, that's hard. It's been part of their life way before you were even married. Yeah. Yeah, that's hard. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. So how can someone respond to, okay, so let's just say I'm a friend of somebody who is, uh, I'm their accountability partner or maybe it's my spouse, maybe it's my partner, someone I really care about. Um, maybe I'm still dating and heading towards marriage at some point. And the other person's just disclosed to me things that are challenging for them. How do I respond in a way which I'm not judgmental and I'm not condemning and I don't bring about that cycle of shame and guilt? What is my role in this? What What is the, the wife who's just heard her husband say something to her um, or vice versa? What is that person's role when they hear information? Yeah. Great question. I think um, I think it's really important that um, you thank them for being honest 
and for being open, even though it's really hard for you to hear that because that would have taken a lot for them to be honest with you and they obviously respect you a lot to share this hard place with you and also they may have not told anyone. So I would thank them um, and ask them questions like how are they feeling that they've now actually shared what they've talked, you know, shared with you and also, you know, be real with yourself, give yourself space to actually process how that feels for you because it's not always just about them, but it will impact you and it's a real place and to give yourself time to process how you are feeling as well Mm. and how you together want to work on this. Like what is the next step for your partner or the person that has told you what would they like to do now? what's their next step and what can you maybe asking how can I best support you what would actually be helpful um yeah I think you know putting them as the expert they've gone through this they've gone through the struggle yeah um you're not here to fix them but maybe you can if you can find out what they need you can support them in that maybe it's going to uh, a counselor together maybe it's going to talk to someone together just being that person that can be near them. But when it comes to even engaging again in your sexual intimacy together after you've heard something like that, I think that's a, that's a process and a journey that looks different for every couple. And to so just give yourself, you know, grace and kindness and space to work through that together. But keep being open and even talking about how you feel with your partner as well because both of you are in this together. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to try to squeeze in a couple more thoughts, but um, I'd like to pick your brain on uh, just quickly on social media. So obviously it's a marketplace of every opinion and thought and image and uh, representation that you could possibly find on the planet. Where's a place for social media in a relationship and can it be destructive? Um, big question. Yeah, um, I know. In terms of pornography, you mean? Yeah, in terms of even just emotional infidelity. Yeah. I think that's a that's a conversation that you guys both need to talk through if it's impacting you too. You know, unfortunately with social media, you can access a lot of content about people um, and your mind can go to places mm. um, that you weren't you know, you can start trolling and scrolling people and finding out information about people that um, I think you've just got to be really careful about that because a lot of things happen in your mind before they happen in in the, in the physical, you know, in terms yeah. of, you know, thinking about other people or um, going down that path of affairs or whatever. So I think if you can just keep yourselves accountable with each other and that you're not defensive and that each of you can ask each other questions and you can be, you know, that's, that's why honesty and openness is so important for anything, for a healthy relationship. But um, social media is super challenging with pornography because you can't really block a lot of that, those images that come up. Yeah. So I think you just got to be really careful who you're following as well. Yeah. Yeah, true. That's very, very true. That's a big question though. Yeah. (laughs) All right. I want to thank you so much for your time. This has been incredibly 
um, resourceful and helpful. However, before you go, um, I want people to be able to um, get help and uh, if they need it and in the context of relationships or even if it's just the person themselves. So I haven't even vetted this with you before, but uh, do you do consultations across Australia? I mean, uh, are you available? How do people get in touch? Yeah, so you can just um, follow my website, www.sextheholestoryoneword.com.au and I'm on Instagram and Facebook and I do um, online consultations in Australia. Um, I would encourage people to check out Fight the New Drug or Your Brain on Porn. Um, Covenant Eyes are some websites that you can check out. Um, I have written a book that will be released soon called Sex Awakened, which is for, and ideally for engaged and newlyweds to um, how to have a, a healthy sexual intimacy. So I'm really passionate about that. Um, but I think also there's another good book um, is The Porn Trap by Wendy Maltz, Wendy and Larry Maltz. And that's a really good book on overcoming pornography. So if you find it hard to reach out for help or can't get access to that, I would encourage you to educate yourself as much as you can and talk to people around you that can support you in the journey. And we can do this together. We can work on this together. That's so good. Thank you so much, Renee. This has been absolutely fantastic I'm really grateful and I think I'm gonna try to get you back on again at some point so <laughs> that'd be awesome I'd love it yeah. thank you so much for having me it's been so fun that's fantastic thank you I really hope you enjoyed this podcast a couple of references that I hope you check out just to help with your journey from pornography check out Renee's website sextheholestory.com.au follow her on social media she's got lots of great content fightthenewdrug.com I wrote an article on porn on my website, jeremiahjacob.com. Just remember, you're not alone. You're not the only one. There's nothing to be ashamed about. Find a friend you can talk to and live free and live your stronger life. Thanks again and subscribe to not miss an episode of The Stronger Podcast. Remember, you're stronger than you think.